Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, and 24-7 support. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code GUARDIAN to get 10% off. Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week, it's time to look at the musical highlights of 2013, and maybe well on some of the lows. And we'll have music from Vampire Weekend, James Holden, Beyonce and Sky Ferreira, Andrew Wyatt, John Grant, Kalela and Schoolboy Q. That's all in Music Weekly from The Guardian. Joining us uh, for our final pod of uh, 2013 is Rebecca Nicholson. Hello. Hi. And Dorian Linsky. Hello. Shall we just go straight into rounding up the big news stories of the year for the benefit of anybody who hasn't heard about this guy made this record Blurred Lines yeah. <laughs> I've actually prepared a roundup of the year in the style of the Reduced Shakespeare Company <laughs> <laughs> do you think you could break the news stories of the year down into themes I could yes um, no I thought there were three strands each of which has three parts no I don't want those people on question time it's like my question has many parts um, no no basically I thought there were th- there were kind of three three sort of things that made this feel like quite a sort of pivotal year that I feel quite differently about a lot of things than I did at the beginning. You know, in music, it seems that something has shifted. One, I think, is that pop music has kind of been well and truly jolted out of its um, horrible, mulchy rut that it was in. And that there's just a lot of really interesting stuff happening. You know, the fact that a record like Royals can just sort of come out nowhere and be US number one for like eight weeks or whatever. Mm -hmm. The fact that Haim despite, you know, doubts about a backlash or whatever, have, have actually sort of proved themselves as a proper pop act. Um, Sky Ferreira, who we'll talk about later, is a really fascinating pop record. So even the Miley Cyrus record is more interesting than you'd expect. So that was one thing I really liked. The other thing was the surprise releases from Bowie to mm-hmm. Beyonce and all the different ways in which people are making it exciting again. And the third one was just the way that there's been so much debate, sometimes quite maddening not all of which I agree with but generally I think productive because it's not just among bloggers it's among musicians about ideas in pop about gender which you get in the Beyonce album and obviously Lily Allen with some reservations there but there were lots of there just seems to be a lot of debate about kind of gender in pop this year which seems quite significant I don't know it just feels like finally perhaps the days of the women in rock issue are over yeah you which know would be wonderful wouldn't it wouldn't it yeah you know the, the, there were just so many different exciting charismatic powerful women around in all kind of styles of music it just doesn't feel like they need to be sort of treated like a, a genre. Rebecca, do you agree with that? Do you think that's a good? Do you think it's a good thing? Have you noticed something similar? Yeah, well, definitely, but I don't think it's just across music. I think it's across culture as a whole, and it's because the, this whole kind of what is now being called the fourth wave of feminism is very present, and it means that there's discussion about everything. Mm. I'm really on board with it. I think it's great. It's really exciting. Um, but there was. I'm trying to think if it was this year or maybe it was last year. But Rolling Stones still did a Women in Rock. Special Rolling Stones. It's just extraordinary, and it. So, but the know. brilliant thing was that it felt so out of time and so weird, and it stood alone as a really kind of, you know, as a real relic. Um, mm. And that's great. I'm pleased. What's interesting is that you've got people like Grimes and Angel Hayes who are so attuned to all these issues that you might have thought a few years ago were just for the kind of feminist bloggers. That there are <laughs> artists that are so savvy and so astute, and or you know, Lauren from Church is writing that piece for the Guardian. Yeah. You know, there really is a kind of like, we are not going to put up with the following. All being backed up by these fantastic records. And it felt like because of this wider cultural debate, 
that pop this year has suddenly become really politicised. And um, I mean, we'll probably talk about the Beyonce album in a different context later, but that's responding to that in a lot of ways. So obviously when she called her tour the Mrs Carter tour, then you get the sort of think PC debate around whether she should call herself Mrs Carter or not. Mm-hmm. And so she responds with a track on the album that has a, a TED talk. It's, it's actually taken from a TED yeah, talk. Yeah by um, Chimamandu Ngozi Adichie. It's saying, I am a feminist because I believe in equality in all of these areas. And for that to be part of one of the kind of most banging songs on the Beyonce album is extraordinary. Definitely a good year that has seen hip hop become, will have its real mainstream, mainstream moment. I think that, you know, this now, is... Now, can I just pick you up on that? It seems a very odd thing to say in 2013 is hip hop's having its mainstream moment. Didn't mm-hmm. hip hop mainstream, first have its mainstream moment about 1984? Yeah, but I feel like now it's become so sort of embedded in pop culture culture that you can't talk about pop music without talking about sort of you know hip-hop you can't talk about twerking without talking about you know an Atlanta scene and I feel like lots of people you know people who were pop fans listening to Drake listening to Kanye listening to you know whatever sort of have a really good understanding of where this music has originated from and you know where it comes from and they know sort of niche terms lots of ways where it's geographically mapped you know people can talk about the american southern scene and that's where twerking has come from and that's where you know sort of this atlanta sound has come from and that's you know where french montana and gcj have come from who's now you know collaborating with miley cyrus on her album and so i feel like yeah this i think that this is something you probably wouldn't even have seen five years ago it's not helping rappers that much if you look at the well, if you look at the sort of the stats for the number of black artists in the Billboard Top Ten, I think there just hasn't been a black artist that's had a, a US number one. You know, compared to really? 2003, it's really weird. Basically, because of when the Billboard number one stay there forever, so all no. it takes is like, oh well, a Timberlake single, Macklemore, Robin Thicke, and Lord. <clears throat> you know, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, kind yeah. of the year. It just seems to be that it sort of underpins and informs all of these big records by white artists. But I don't know whether. I mean, why isn't Kendrick Lamar like a big star? Do you know what I mean? It seems like there isn't much room at the top. And even Kanye hasn't had a particularly great year commercially. Mm. So it's interesting the way maybe it's just hip hop is kind of, it's almost a given now. It's like it's what so much pop is built on. But it doesn't seem to be helping rappers that much. But this year particularly, you know, where you've seen releases from Jay-Z, Kanye, Drake, Eminem, you know, you've had these, you know, these really big artists doing really big albums. And I think as a result of that, you feel like sort of within pop culture, they're being discussed hugely. They're sort of being discussed in, you know, a variety of different kinds of ways, whether it's talking about Jay-Z and Beyonce and Kim and Kanye, or whether it's talking about Drake and his Canadian sad boy trend, you know, all of these kind of things that have happened. Is that a thing, the Canadian sad boy trend? Yeah, well, kind of, you know, Ryan Ryan Hemsworth. Emo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like these are conversations, you know, sort of 15-year-old girls from the home counties might not have been having last year and they are definitely having this year. It is remarkable mm. that my mum knows what twerking is. Mm. That's just extraordinary. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Mum's yes. Music Weekly. Mum's yes. Music Weekly. Imagine that. would be fantastic. Um, shall we move on? We, we, we've all brought in two records. Our musical highlight, our favourite track of the year, and our slept-on choice, uh, the track that we think didn't get enough heat. Check me out. You see, this is proves your point. Is, yeah, look, look, look at him. I'm, I'm, I'm twerking. <laughs> Alexis can even Alexis find the street on a map. Right <laughs> but here he is, talking the talk. Let's begin by doing tracks of the year, rather than slept on choices. Uh, let's have Dorian's choice. The gloves and gloves, the wisdom teeth that I got you on about. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my bones. 
Oh, uh, that's Step by Vampire Weekend from their third album. Now, I find it intriguing that Vampire, I mean, because you would have thought Vampire Weekend on Arrival seemed to me like one of those bands that turn up fully formed. It's all there. They've got their shtick, they've got the way they look, they've got a specific sound, and often when that happens, there is nowhere for those bands to go. And yet here we are, some years on, Vampire Weekend making a third album that a lot of people think is their best record mm. today. You included. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a real masterpiece. I think it's properly, every song is strong, every song is different. The lyrics are, they've got real depth and complexity. The production is very, very clever and thoughtful. I just find it just such a pleasurable record. And it's got these sort of themes running through it about, you know, about age and mortality and regret. And he described it as a, almost like the characters from the first two albums had hit at the age of 27, which is an age I'm kind of obsessed with because I think it's the first age where you're really like, oh, I'm old now. And mm. it's a very strange, a lot of people have a crisis at that stage. It's kind of a, it's a very interesting kind of thing. I tweeted about it and loads of people were like, oh, yeah, that's how I felt at 27. And it really captures that. How old are you, Kieran? 27. Wow. How's your year been? Sad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think about when I was 27. It doesn't always have to be, but it's a turning point. It's a kind of make or break. It's basically where youthful promise turns into, sort of runs out, and you've got to replace it with something else. (laughs) You've got to replace it with Christmas Jesus. An art gallery guy um who said that basically 27 was the age in which he could tell which artists were just just had a lot of youthful talent which then burnt itself out mm-hmm. which ones are in it for the long haul just the age in which rock which, stars die isn't it right but, but just capturing that feeling when you're still kind of young but you start feeling old in some way and mm. the album's full of that and this song i just think it's an i mean it's incredible kind of um attempt it's kind of doing hip-hop because it's based on an old souls of mischief track but with this very kind of, very sort of white, almost defeat sensibility. Almost like, you know, when the Petrol Boys said that West End Girls was their attempt to do a hip-hop song. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that. The lyrics are sort of very clever and then amazingly moving when it gets to that bit about how um, wisdom's a gift, but you trade it for youth, age is an honour, it's still not the truth. And it just feels like that's the heart of the record. And it's just insanely catchy. Like, my, my seven-year-old can sing most of it. And my two-year-old can do the chorus. And it's not like we've been drilling them. It's like they literally yeah. just... <laughs> do step for daddy. Otherwise, there's no tea for you. No pepper Pig. Uh, this is something so instant about it, but sort of really oddly moving. And I just think it's sort of the best track on my favourite album. I'm normally quite resistant to Vampire Weekend. I feel the same way about them that I think you do towards Wild Beasts. There's <laughs> I've always found them slightly twee and irritating and a little bit smug. And I and so I haven't really listened to this album in full because I just thought it wasn't for me. And this song is beautiful. It's mm. really, really lovely. So it's making me reconsider my Vampire Weekend stance. I, I agree. I've always found them particularly live slightly irksome. There's something about the lead guy. He's got a little look on his face. He's really pleased with himself and what he's doing. And it's very, very off-putting. I really like this record and I really like this album. I would also point out they're still doing that thing with the harpsichord 
that sounds like the theme tune to Ski Sunday, and I warned them about this on the first <laughs> album. <laughs> it sounds like the music from Ski Sunday. Uh, they've paid no attention. I, I, I give up. You know. I, yes. Yeah. Also, I've never really understood why Ezra is such a massive heartthrob before, but on this track, where he's kind of got that really like quivering almost soft falsetto I was like oh yeah it sounds like I you're about it. to start writing fan fiction yeah yeah <laughs> quivering uh, yeah quivering should we move on mm. <laughs> um, let's move on uh, this is Rebecca's favourite track of the year Is Haunted by Beyonce from her eponymous album which came out about a week ago about about (laughs) ten minutes ago it is an amazing I mean genuinely it's an incredible thing because I thought the whole thing of just dropping your album without telling anybody had been exploited to its hilt and that really if you did it now it wouldn't have any impact it was just going to and she's put this out and I think it's not to do with the fact that she dropped it without warning I think it's to do with the fact that it's a really really good album and it's actually a better record I think probably the best album Beyonce has made yeah Um, it's the most consistent album most consistently interesting record she's made but anyway that's that's my thoughts let's have some of yours well no agreed so I was it was the day after the work Christmas party when I woke up and checked my phone and there was an email saying new Beyonce album and I thought it was going to be a live album or something like that because she's been postponing this and postponing this but no it was this and choosing it as my favourite track of the year I appreciate that (laughs) it has only been out for about a week but I really love it and I think it's so interesting this Haunted is probably the most interesting song on the album although I keep shifting as to which one I prefer but this is so weird for Beyonce and it sounds, it's a bit housey. It's got a huge, it comes in with this huge kind of brain rattling bass. Mm. There's a little bit of uh, Justify My Love era Madonna. It's kind of a bit Jamie XXE. It's just a fantastic song. Thanks to long lead times, I actually have a column in a magazine this mm. month saying how there's no Beyonce album in sight. <laughs> <laughs> so... No, I think it's a remarkable coup. All that goodwill, which you seem to be frittering away throughout the year, in what appeared up till now to be the worst rollout campaign I've ever yeah, seen yeah, from yeah, major yeah, artists. Yeah, rollout without a point. Like, I'm back. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, here's an advert. Will that do? And, yeah. you know, I mean, it just seemed like incompetent. And then she was just sort of sitting on this, which I find quite remarkable. And, yeah, all the, all the things you say about the album, uh, I agree. I went to see Beyonce live earlier this year in, uh, on the Mrs. Carter tour in uh, Birmingham. I, hadn't, I didn't expect the gig. It was one of the bizarre gigs I've ever been to. It might have nothing to do with Beyonce, who was, you know, very, very good, but to do with the audience, which was full of hen nights. I mean, actual proper hen nights, women with sashes on, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Mm. Was, it was a really weird... I've never been to a gig that seemed to function so much as a kind of... as a hen night event, you know what I mean? It was yeah. a very, very odd thing that she'd sort of drawn this kind of different crowd in. Now, I got back to my hotel and uh, wrote the reviews on the night review and I thought, oh, I just, oh God, thank God I've got that and I'm just going to go downstairs uh, to the bar, you know, to get, get, get gin and tonic and go, go to sleep. Clearly that was as far north as she was going and these hen nights had come from far and wide to Beyonce's thing. Ho- were all staying in my hotel, <laughs> maddened by an excess of Bacardi breezes and a few choruses of all the single ladies, <laughs> were going 
Mental. I've never known anything that was absolutely resting up, running about in the hotel, making a foot, went really pissed, making a noise, <laughs> shouting, fighting. It was absolute. It was absolute chaos. It was a very. Brilliant. It was awful. I sleep. I had a real shock when I went to see. Silence women, Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> That's not very 2013 of you. Um, that was I, such a problematic anecdote. <laughs> I went to see Fleetwood Mac this year at the O2 and I had a real crowd shock moment as well because I sort of thought Fleetwood Mac have become quite adopted by young hipster types. And I went to this concert with um, with the Guardians, Tim Jones, and we were the youngest people there really? by about thirty years. They were so old, it was very they? Clarkson. The whole audience was and very sh- Clarkson, and even the show was very much like probably the arena show they were doing in like ninety seven. Yeah. Right, there didn't seem to be any recognition of like. Oh, you know, we've got this kind of whole new young audience. I mean, yeah. it was great, but it, it was, was quite weird because you're used to people doing the, you know, the Brian Wilson or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. You're at least get, sort of in some way acknowledging the fact that that's happened. Yeah, yeah, getting all these kind of like sort of fan musicians to try and recraft your mm. set and touch all of these new buttons like people do at Glastonbury or whatever. And they just seem to be in this sort of bubble, just like we're just old, we're just an old yeah. rock band. It was a real surprise. I really thought there'd be some evidence of that kind of new incarnation for them, but no. I was going to say, I went to see Brandy that same night, and she was uh, playing at sort of the, the smaller venue in the, in the O2 as well. And there was a really funny moment when you could really distinguish between <laughs> which crowd was which as you were going in. <laughs> but then it's interesting to think that, that lots of people reference Fleetwood Mac, lots of people talk about Fleetwood Mac. Probably doesn't tra- translate into sort of getting off your ass and going to see them at the O2. And I think tickets were very expensive so, well. expensive. so expensive let's move on Kieran this is your highlight of the year Oh, that's Kieran's highlight, a record I was introduced to via the podcast. By you, in fact, um, yes. for Layla. She's great, isn't she? She, as we've discussed before, is an LA vocalist. And I think this is one of the best examples of a sort of R&B singer and producer really coming together and it really working in a way that neither seemed to dominate each other in the way that we might have heard quite a lot in an R&B vocalist this year. This is um, Kingdom who is the label head of Fade to Mind, which is an LA label, and Kalela, who's who's just been signed to them. And, you know, it's it's really got that kind of... Fade know, to Mind is a label linked to Night Slugs. To the UK's Night of, Slugs, yeah. yep, exactly. Which is why, kind of, when you hear the EP, or her EP, you know, there's all these grime influences, and it's, it's sort of quite English-sounding in a lot of ways. Uh, but, yeah, this track uh, has got, you know, it's got those really light and dark elements. You know, there's, it's really sparse in some ways, but then it's got these really dense bass claps, and it's full of restrictions but it's also talks about that sort of exquisite tense internal conflict really well and I just yeah I think that she's beautiful I think that her, her voice is great and I think that in a year where we've had amazing similar sounding things from Cassie and Solange and you know Banks and FKA Twigs and, and people like that she's definitely one of my favourite ones and 
apparently her album is going to come out next year and I'm really excited about it. Excellent. Yes. No, I, I agree. It's one of my favourite albums of the year. Clearly cut for me. I kind of agree that there is a lot of stuff that's in this vicinity. This and Water Me by FK Twigs yeah. are my kind of two favourite examples of that. I mean, they're quite different, but they've got, they've got real sort of standout personality because there's quite a lot of this sort of foggy nighttime, yeah. slightly British influenced R&B, mm. all of which is nice. But it was kind of, it just felt like on this album and this song particularly, it really sort of coalesced into something. Yeah, there's a crispness on this, isn't there? Real but charisma. I'm a big fan of feeling like you're being bent out of shape by music and this is one of those songs where you feel like it's very beautiful but just slightly kind of twisted and mm-hmm. yeah and kingdom i'm a big fan of he i might have mentioned this on the podcast before but he did a great remix of kanye's monster where he just took yes. Nicki minaj's amazing <gasps> verse and mm. makes that the whole track it's so good it's so great that sounds perfect yeah it's so great yeah. wow amazing well there you go um <clears throat> that's also uh, it's worth pointing out available to download for nothing isn't it the whole, yes. the whole album if you haven't already done so let's move on my highlight of the year John Grant um, from the album Pale Green Ghosts uh, and GMF. That's my favourite album of the year. That's my favourite track from it. I just found everything about the album incredibly appealing. I found I think it's it's a sort of it's an interesting thing because I'm not a huge fan of sort of solipsistic singer songwriters. You know that is sort of it's what uh, the late Lester Bangs would have called eye rock. And this the records come in some ways no more solipsistic than this, which is actually. Yet another examination of the the relationship that failed on his previous album, and he's still sort of you know really really picking at the scabs of this 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 one relationship, and yet he does it with such sort of humour and wit and kind of acuteness and sort of self laceration and such amazing tunes that it completely negates all my sort of criticisms of this kind of music and. There's something I think very potent about music that you wouldn't ordinarily you think you wouldn't ordinarily like, but that you really, really like. Do you know what I mean? That it sort of it, if it breaks down those those boundaries, and this really did. I mean, everything. It was a toss up between this and Glacier, which is the last track on the album, which is just an incredible sort of lyrical feat, unbelievably moving song. Yeah, I just I just like everything about this record. I saw him live as well, and he was absolutely superb. I saw him live in a very small room. In a uh, in a private members club in London, rather embarrassingly, uh, in order to get a view because there was no stage or anything, it was just him and a guy playing keyboards and playing guitar. Uh, I was stood on a sofa at the back of the room, and he was playing this, and I had my eyes shut, and I was like singing along, and I opened my eyes, and obviously I was very high above the rest of the crowd. And I could see John Grant just kind of like <laughs> looking at me with this like what the fuck expression on his face. Your um, eyes shut, and was singing was just, along. Yeah, what an <laughs> arsehole. Yeah, who's, who's ever done that at a gig? What a prick. Oh, Jesus, um, that's not what it's about. <laughs> Um, so yeah so there you go Um, if you haven't heard Pelgrim Ghosts I strongly recommend you do so one of the really good things about this album is the fact that he kind of changed his sound so much and he moved to Iceland and made it one of Gus Gus and it's very synth led and when I saw him live I was like this is how when it really went off into a synth bit not quite a synth jam but Mm. they were really intense I thought this is what Depeche Mode should sound like live 
that you that there's this, this real intensity and spontaneity mm. but coming p- from the synthesizers not from adding kind of rock guitar to it or whatever yeah but ironically the two tracks i like best on it are the ones that could have been almost on, on the, the first last, album um, yeah, yeah. You in this. and there's something about this which is almost my platonic ideal of sort of mid-70s kind of melancholy dude pop and i could just imagine him singing it on probably changing the lyrics a little on christmas top of the pops it's just got yeah, that yeah, really yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of like of satisfying 70s even the little bass line it's got that real kind of like i know what i'm doing kind of warmth to it but with this just most incredible sort of ambivalent <laughs> lyric about sometimes if you hate yourself that sometimes you have to swing to the opposite extreme and you you love yourself and you kind of become hyper arrogant for the, it's almost not quite bipolar but you know you sweep yourself up into this enormous arrogance and then it fades in the final bars of the song where he's almost like returning to normal like such an infectious accessible sound and melody mm. with such a strange lyric and that's that kind of sums up what he does I also think uh, Sinead O'Connor's guest appearance on the, on the album is just fantastic there's something about Soon, it's, it's like when you hear You're So Vain by Carly Simon and once someone goes that's Mick Jagger doing back and vocals all you can hear is Mick Jagger on that record and as soon as you know it's Sinead O'Connor singing and she is only doing backing vocals on it it's suddenly it's like all you can hear is Sinead O'Connor it's really kind of anyway sort of on that point what you were saying when you when you feel like you're not expecting yourself to like something this is this is definitely my experience of this because I, I listened to the album after you told me to bossing <laughs> <laughs> people about it uh, and I was sort of listening to it in my room as I was sort of tidying up and I wasn't really that drawn and I sort of sat down because I was really tired and this happened to be playing at the same time and I was really sort of listening into it and I was just so sort of moved and I was just like, God, this is so unbelievably touching. And also as someone who only really hears the term motherfucker in music in a quite a hard rap-based backdrop, I was really like, oh yeah, actually, that's it's quite nice hearing that in quite a touching environment he in a different one of context the best swearers in music totally <laughs> you know he just uses the swears in a different way in a way that sort of makes you feel something well he's a great nice. lyricist he's really wonderful but um i have the opposite thing to you where i really like the kind of bangers the black belt is my favorite one on the album <laughs> and i'm less taken I, I can see the kind of beauty in them but i'm less taken with those ones but i saw him in iceland performing with gus gus and he did black belt which mm. was my favorite and there were weightlifters and sort of they might weightlifters in gimp masks i think on the stage <laughs> And it was in Reykjavik in winter. It was brilliant. It was one of my highlights of the year. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it was a great night. Um, let's move on to our slept-on choice of the year, uh, the record that we think uh, should have got more attention than it did. Same order that we did before. So let's start with Dorian. James Holden, or Holden as I believe he's known, uh, Blackpool late 80s, Dorian, your choice. When I sort of get to the end of the year, I'm always, there's always albums that I haven't sort of heard before that I pick up on when other people are, are kind of talking about them. And the other one that I was thinking bringing in was something off The Night's Gambit by Carr, which is just, if you like, sort of New York 
90s mob deep right, jazz okay. style hip hop but updated that's incredible but this was one that people kept mentioning in contrast to the John Hopkins album again well John Hopkins is nice but it's kind of what James Holden was doing five years ago it kind of is but his new album is really out there it's much sort of harder to get into it's almost got reminding me a little bit in spirit if not in sound of, of sort of these new Puritans in really trying to kind of think about music in a different way and with these sort of like pagan obsessions and patternings and weird sort of coded sort of references and this is the most obviously beautiful song on the record for me it's like it's better than john the john hopkins album it's better than the boards of canada album but it's got elements of both of those and i'm always as somebody who who you know was really shaped by dance music when i was younger i'm always looking for those kind of those dance albums that can have that kind of impact on me and it feels like one that I'm still wrestling with and, and burrowing into is one I'm sort of sticking on my Spotify best of the year playlist and whatever because it just seems to me sort of irresistible and haunting. I find it I mean it's interesting you compare it to the John Hopkins album because I really like that John Hopkins record as well and I'm interested by these artists that appear to be working. East India Youth is sort of similar as well a lot of his album is like that in a sort of unclassifiable area of electronica you know that doesn't really lend itself you know it's not really ambient it's not really you know it's not really like Boards of Canada do you know what I mean it's, mm. it's very very hard to classify and you know the, the sort of slight pop elements to some of it and the slightly I find all that really interesting I really like the James Holden album it's, I think it's a really good really good record yeah I thought it was be, you know it has cropped up in some of the end of year lists but I thought it was going to be one of those ones it's not a hugely immediate that record people though. fell hard for I think, right. I think Mojo might have ranked it higher than almost anyone which is you know interesting but it's just an album that like these new puritans you know it's going to repay some time mm. and and tracks are going to reveal themselves one by one and i like that because a lot of my favorite records this year have been pretty immediate yeah well holden is kind of you know he's he's always played in very like minimal techno raves for obvious reasons because it's, it's sort of opaque and you know that i have like a running joke with my friends that you know this is the kind of music this kind of this sort of faction of techno that you go when you're feeling really depressed and you want to go and cry on a dance floor <laughs> and you know that's that's generally the vibe you know people sort of on ketamine crying but i feel like that's it's great quite... <laughs> <laughs> people... rubbish is what, this what like sticker that? on the cd <laughs> <laughs> is this what passes for entertainment but yeah dance music definitely on horse tranquilizer <laughs> Got it wrong with mince pies. But it does like music this year. Yeah, it is. It we is took kind of like cried right. on the dance floor with the Taliban. <laughs> yeah, it's quite vicey. But you know, there's, there's been two factions where it's been like quite upbeat, sunny house, or you know, quite sad, uh, minimal techno. And this obviously f- uh, falls in the latter. And so it's quite interesting that you brought it in. And it's not really my kind of thing, but I think that this works quite nicely here. But outside outside that environment and maybe in your bedroom it seems like they're one of those records where I don't really know what scene sort of he's involved in we found really out clubs now though <laughs> <laughs> but what clubs he plays in and he hadn't he's actually made an album in quite a few years mm. and this just seems like there's something really obsessive and idiosyncratic about it and it doesn't just it doesn't really sound like it's got anything to do with what other people are doing moving on Rebecca a slightly tangential slept on choice because it hasn't actually come out yet well but let's let's should we, should we hear does a anything bit? ever really come out? <laughs> <It's, you know>. <laughs> <laughs> but, which is to say, it hasn't had an official release in the UK. But you can hear it all over the internet. Absolutely, there, yeah. you, know. you can hear the whole album, can't you? You can hear it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's uh, what I meant. <laughs> let, let's give it a burst. Actually, we'll say what we're talking about. It's uh, it's Sky Ferreira on Manco. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, come on. 
Yeah, as we said, Sky Ferreira, a manco. Um, that's brilliant. It's such a great song, it's isn't brilliant. it? It's so great. I listened to the, I put this album on and was listening through, and I think Sky Ferreira is great, and her take on pop is just sort of brilliantly idiosyncratic, and I think it's really wonderful. And then it got to this song, and I really started to pay attention. I just thought, this is fantastic. It's so strange, and it's so unsettling. It makes me laugh, but I, in the right sort of way. Mm. You know, it's completely absurd, but I think it really works. And I talked to, um, funnily enough, you and Dorian and Tim. Jones both said the same thing, which is that it sounds like a poppy suicide, and mm. n- r- not the act, not the act, the act, but the act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, not, yeah. Well, apparently, Ariel, the producer, said was one of the big influences. Oh, really? That makes sense. With suicide, which I just love the idea that he would, he would do that. That you've got mm. this pop star, that's been, been, particularly someone that was initially <clears throat> being marketed as very kind of straightforward. Yeah, you know. and it was basically been sort of in the wilderness, and, and it sounds like it's had a horrible. Series of false starts and things, yeah. and then to find the right people to work with, and obviously a lot of it is coming from her. I don't think it's like they just, but but that to get that sort of team that says, yeah, this is what we're going to do, not just a little bit of kind of artful scuffing up, yeah, yeah. proper like walls of distortion and fuzz, which sounds on you know like Jesus and Mary Chain or something, yeah. mm. but with these amazing, with her vocal being very kind of. Classic pop, and I really hope this is an album that crosses over from sort of hipsterdom to to mainstream mm. success because so. it, it, it does seem to be all of an enormously high quality and full of really really interesting ideas. And it would be nice to think that it isn't just one of those things that always characterises like a pop justice hit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Where it's like there's loads and loads of brilliant albums that pop justice have picked up on over the years that haven't really. But it's got yeah. hits on it. I mean, this oh, yeah. potentially isn't the necessarily going to be the big chart hit, but mm. Boys is just a massive <gasps> tune. Boys mm. is amazing. Yeah. Boys is the record that if I you know if you really like it splits by yeah 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 and you wish they'd done something like that instead of Mosquito yes it's kind of it's got that kind of momentum intensity and then it's got these really kind of eighties ish just really catchy pop songs yeah and that's what's so brilliant is that the idea that they've thought of a pop album in the way that most people don't think of pop albums which is oh look let's make sure we've got three or four potential hits but then elsewhere let's play around let's have a look. let's do weird stuff let's kind of push the boat out as opposed to that horrible design by committee thing that you might get with say a Katy Perry album or whatever mm. where this you know the stakes are much higher and it's almost like every song has to be a potential single which seems like a waste it's like you've got an album you don't need 10 11 singles yeah do a track that sounds like Suicide doing a Christmas record you know <laughs> <laughs> also like it doesn't really sound that forced does it when when you hear this it doesn't sound like the label has said to her you know alright let's go and sound edgy and you know sound dark when you hear her vocals on this she sounds like legitimately a little bit dark or you know it's got that sort of you know punky vibe about yeah. her and doesn't feel really contrived doesn't feel like you know she's like Avril Lavigne in like a tie and a guitar she's you know she's she seems quite cool she sounds quite cool in this excellent um let's move on uh Kieran this is your select on choice of the year Oh, oh, color greens, three degrees, no, make it half of me. 
That's um, Collard Greens by Schoolboy Q. Yeah. Um, that's your uh, slept on choice. You slept on in a certain sense. I mean, quite a big, uh, quite a big track. Yeah, quite in uh, the world of hip hop. Quite a, yeah, quite a big hip hop track. But I kind of wish just sort of crossed over because it's so great, and I just feel like it would work in a variety of sort of club environments. But yes, so uh, Schoolboy Q is a member of Black Hippie, alongside Absol and the sort of better known. Kendrick Lamar who had the hip hop album of last year and I just feel like this I mean Schoolboy Q has this really great look and he's he's one of the more sort of distinct and respected members and um, XL uh, or Double XL sort of named them Hip Hop Crews of the Year this year and you know had like a four page spread on Schoolboy Q and how he's so cool and he wears sort of bucket hats and sort of lots of tie-dye t-shirts and you know that's been emulated in What's a bucket hat? Uh, it's like a fisherman's hat you know, so, you know those fishermen's hats. It's just it's like a bucket, like a Rennie hat, in the shape of a bucket, and you sort of cotton, and you wear it like Liam Gallagher in nineteen ninety. Yeah, exactly. Beanie exactly. hat. Not not a beanie. Just like what you wear fishing. You know. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like a Rennie used to wear from the Stone Roses. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so this is this is what strong look. Yeah, very strong look. <laughs> well, this is what people have sort of been wearing increasingly in in rap clubs, just as a little indicator of his influence. But this track in particular, I just love. You know, Collar Greens is obviously a uh, a reference to you know food from the American South, and I think that this has been you know a really big year for that sort of like, like I mentioned earlier that sort of crossover from you know, American South sounds into sort of pop mainstream, and. I'd, yeah, I just think that this is really fun. I think it's you know really fun, really catchy. It has all those sort of elements of West Coast hip hop, but teamed with that Atlanta sound at the moment, which sounds like Migos and Rich Homie Khan, if if you know them. And yeah, it's mm. it's good. He's he's good, and his Oxymoron album is due out next February, and that's going to be big. I think. I like songs about vegetables. Yeah, I like a song about vegetables. <laughs> and it has a very positive influence. What other songs about vegetables do you like? Vegetables by the Daddy of all the Daddy of all vegetable songs, I would have said. Um what else? And then, and then um it's Chard Out Here by Lily Allen. <laughs> oh, no. Come on, I was on the spot. Oh, I like songs about vegetables, you gotta back it up. I like because because they're rare. But, but anyway, I also, um, I like the fact that w- what you have in hip hop is that when a, um, an MC breaks through, you get all these kind of like bonus stuff. You get, I mean, I'm talking about Kendrick here, but you get kind of all of his friends and then you get him popping up on other stuff. So yeah, you say bonus stuff, right? When, it's now, not always. Now often I <laughs> Sometimes find, it's unwanted. I was going to say, often I find the arrival of a, a famous rapper into the spotlight, yeah. his crew, yeah. then ushered into the spotlight, is very much hip-hop's equivalent of the unwanted bag of Haribo you get offered at the, uh, at the tills at WH Smith's when you buy a magazine. I don't, I don't want this. I don't even know why you're, you're you know... Flip mode squad. I'd, oh man, I'd sat through a Get a Buster Rhymes gig once. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you got a lot of flip mode squad for your money. <laughs> but this, this year has been but totally I'm, different in that but, sense, though, because, you know, ASAP Ferg, he's a, he's a member of ASAP Mob, uh, which ASAP Rocky's a part of, has had one. You know, Bugatti was one of the biggest tracks of the year, and, he's you know. Better yeah, better. Rocky. Way better. It's like the Harrow is better than the magazine. Wow. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Kendrick's been on that. He was on that Big Sean song, which is one of my favourite songs mm-hmm. of the year, yeah. Control. He's on the Black Hippie lot are on a remix of Rocco, You Are We Know, which is also great. And it's just, I love that sense that you, you get, it's like having a new character who's just sort of popping up all over the place. So I just, as I sort of seem to enjoy everything that Black Hippie are doing at the moment. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Rebecca, do you have any thoughts about uh, 
this it's just, it's just it's full of energy it's impossible to listen to this and when we recorded this looking around the room everyone, everyone was, everyone, was a bouncing because you, yeah, you can't not it's fantastic excellent excellent well I like it too there you go let's move on to uh, my Slept On Choice That's my slept on choice of the year. That's Andrew Wyatt, formerly of Mike. Oh, he may still be in Mike Snow, and uh, he's collaborated. He's collaborated with Mark Ronson. He put this album out where he went. Did that thing people sometimes do, where you go to Eastern Europe and you can obviously hire an orchestra very cheaply over there, and did this sort of heavily orchestrated album. He also um, wrote the chorus of Grenade by Bruno Mars. That was a track by some other band that he'd been in that Bruno Mars kind of transplanted into his his songs. He's got a weirdly multifarious character. Anyway, the album's sort of all right. It's not amazing. I wasn't, like, mad keen on it. But when I put it on, this song really stuck with me and has continued to stick with me. And the melody of it is probably the melody that has been in my head most. It's been the earworm of the earth for me. There's something about it that I can't quite shake. Um, I think it's just think it's, a, it's, it's not uh, reinventing the wheel, you know, sort of Motown pastiche you know, track. But I think it's just got a really beautiful melody. It's got great voice. Lyrics are really intriguing, you know, because I mean, it's called Harlem Boys with two Zs, which could lead you to think it's either going to be, you know, banging hip-hop or sort of banging kind of trancey, kind of sweaty tops off music um and it's neither of those things and the lyrics are really weird and sort of come at the you know they, they they kind of chafe against the beauty of the melody a little bit and i just really like it i just haven't been able to get it out of my head all year and nobody has as far as i got this this album just came, i didn't read anything about it at all didn't read a word about it anyway it's nice that it sounds christmasy too it does because sound it's, obviously this is the first time i've heard it and i i feel very festive listening to it, it has a real christmasy feel Excellent. it's appropriate no, it's the, it's the only one of the, the slept-on picks that um, I hadn't heard of at all before, um, or even the, his name didn't ring a bell as the guy from Mike Snow. Mm-hmm. And it's got a kind of brill-building yeah. vibe to it, hasn't it? This sort of old, idyllic, Christmassy version of New York that you get from... Like it's the end of a rom-com songs. <laughs> sort of thing. It's, people should be ice skating in Central Park to it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Go with me. No, already, that's man. that's <laughs> not killing <laughs> already. Becca's yeah, yeah. just getting everybody really excited. <laughs> now it's just like, you know, it's Kate Hudson on ice. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, it has a weird, a great sort of sparkly magic to it. It kind of, in the other way that John Grant takes the 70s, that particular 70s very commercial pop sound and then adds this different lyrical sensibility this just seems to sort of be retro but in a quite sort of magical way and like you said with these bits that don't quite fit mm. and so it's not it's it's more like a like a fantasy of pop than a retro well that concludes our roundup of uh, sort of slept on tracks and our big tracks of the year just before we go, uh, we haven't mentioned the biggest news story of the year, which involves Matt, uh, one of the people who produces the podcast. He uh, had the noisome task of uh, producing the Guardian's Glastonbury podcasts to such, and he did this to such a high degree that he won a quite this prestigious award for it from the uh, Radio Academy. So I just want to say hats off to him for doing that because uh, the raw material you had to work with <laughs> basically <laughs> shite, <laughs> and um, you you took that 
shite and moulded it with your bare hands into something that won an award and I find that both incredible <laughs> and, and um, a repulsive image rep- it is a repulsive <laughs> image um, to leave you with at Christmas but no I think that's sort of both incredible and highly laudable so I just wanted to mention that on air we will be back next year thank you very much for uh, tuning in thank you very much to uh, Dorian for coming Pleasure. in uh, Rebecca as ever thank you uh, Kieran you and I will be back next year yep you find more about this uh, everything that's been on this podcast uh, at the guardian.com music the guardian all one word sorry the guardian.com forward slash music all one word have a lovely Christmas see you in the new year bye 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 for more great downloads go to theguardian.com slash audio Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag-and-drop tools, and 24-7 support. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today, no credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN.